Yo, yo, yo. What's going on? Welcome back to the Been There, Done That podcast. Welcome to episode two. I'm your host, Ben Sullivan. We've got a lot to cover today. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in. All right, here's what's coming up today in this episode. We're going to talk about the Super Wildcard Weekend. We're going to talk about, we're going to recap the games, go over everything that was going on. Uh, just one final review of a fun weekend of football and some some big takeaways from the weekend. Uh, we're going to preview the divisional round uh, when, honestly, the best weekend of football of the year, in my opinion. Uh, four great games coming up. Uh, I'm excited about that. We're going to preview that, give our, our predictions, and um, and then something we're going to start this week. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to do a weekly office quote to finish it up. So if you... If you're one of those people, you don't know anything about sports, but you're just listening because you like to hear me talk, thank you. I don't know why you're listening, but but thank you. You're awesome. Uh, but stick around to the end. We're going to give you a weekly office quote, one of my favorite quotes. We're going to start doing that every week, and I'm going to give you one of my favorite office quotes. So stick around for that. Um, but guys, let's go ahead and jump right into it. We're going to look at the Super Wild Card Weekend. We're going to jump right in and recap it, all right? Going in order of the games and, and the way they happened, first was the Seahawks at the 49ers. So, 49ers ended up winning 41-23. to The uh, Seahawks made it a, a pretty in- interesting game in the first half. It was a good game. Um, I think most of us were, were expecting a blowout, and, and when you look at the final score, that's kind of what it looked to be, although we know it was a close game at half. Uh, it was it was very back and forth um, in the first half, and the, the Niners were in it. Sorry, well, of course they were in it. The Seahawks were in it um, closer than a lot of people were expecting, myself included. Um, and they had something kind of figuring out. I, I think you look at the way Brock Purdy performed. I think there were most like you know, seventh-round rookie, first playoff game in a big, big spot. I think there were some nerves early on, um, and, and I think we can – you know, we look, we look, we see what happened in the second half. It looked like those nerves started to go away. He got a chance to settle in um, and, and got back to the player he had been for the, the last month of the season as the starter. Um, and and they pulled away in the second half and kind of out of nowhere, um, as like I said, it was it was very close at half, uh, like a one point game. I think I'd have to double check that, but it was it was anyone's game at half. And then the Niners just. Shot out of a can in the second half and um, pulled away very quickly, um, and ended up, you know, running away with it. Just to look back at my prediction of the game, I said the Niners were going to win thirty-four to twenty, and they ended up winning forty-one to twenty-three. So not too bad, not too bad on that prediction. Both both of those, my, my score, even my score prediction within one possession. So not too bad. Um, one for one so far as we. Uh, we, we look on what our picks were from last week. Uh, Niners moving forward. You know, if Brock Purdy can play like this, they're going to be a hard team to beat, truly, because uh, like we talked about this last week, um, they have a, a complete roster, top to bottom. They they are very good in, in every single position group, and it's going to be a matter of can the seventh-round rookie keep playing the way he is. I mean, the reality is he's played like one of the five best quarterbacks in the league over the past month and a half. And if he can keep that up, it's going to be hard to to slow this team down, truly. Um, and that remains to be seen in terms of, you know, will he keep that up? 
So that's the uh, the Seahawks 49ers. The 49ers eventually took care of business, got the job done, got some momentum rolling into the divisional round. Game number two of the weekend, Chargers at Jaguars. Wow, what a game this was. What a game this was. I think we we, uh, we look at a halftime. The halftime score was 27-7, to 7, which the reality is 20 points. Again, one of those scores, it doesn't really reflect what what the what the the product looked like from beginning to to the to halftime where Jacksonville had five turnovers including four interceptions from Trevor Lawrence who looked just lost there for about a quarter and a half um and we saw you know first first interception got picked second one you know it was it was a good play potentially maybe flag should have been thrown who knows but then the, the third and fourth picks were just not good Right, they they just weren't good, and he was really going through it there for about a half, and it looked like the Chargers were getting ready to run away with it, and as we know, that's not what happened. the 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 Jaguars came back from down twenty seven nothing, got got a touchdown before half, which I think was huge, and then ended up coming all the way back to win thirty one to thirty. And for those of you who remember, my pick was the Jaguars were going to win twenty nine to twenty seven. And they ended up winning 31 to 30. So, pretty good prediction by me. Within both teams, within three points of what my prediction was, got the got the pick right. So, pretty proud of that one. And as we go along, I'm still two and zero here through the Saturday. But but for the for in terms of the game, man, it's uh it's tough. As a as a Chiefs fan, I watch every game. I see the Chargers always play the Chiefs close, and for whatever reason. The, I mean, Brandon Staley, Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, they, they seem to only let him, Justin Herbert, open up and, and use his, his physical tools, which, by the way, he's in terms of raw talent, he, he's in the top five of, of most talented guys in the league, just his size and his arm strength. And whenever they play the Chiefs, it's like, he, I mean, he's throwing the ball all over the field um, and, and their offense looks pretty good. But anybody, any any other game they play, any other team they're playing, it's like they just don't let him do that. I mean, I saw the the pass chart of of where all of his throws went throughout the game, and obviously I can't show that via audio. But I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. He had, I mean, it's like every single throw is within 15 yards. They just don't let him throw the ball down the field for whatever reason. Um, he had a couple throws that that were. I believe 25, 30-ish yards downfield, and both of those ended up out of bounds. Um, just for whatever reason, maybe maybe some his decision-making, uh, but I, I got to think a lot of this is coaching. They just, for whatever reason, will not let him open it up. And maybe it, maybe it has to do with them being up 27 to nothing, and they get really conservative and say, oh, we're not going to take chances. We're not going to turn the ball over, which they didn't. They didn't turn the ball over. But at the end of the day, when you got this type of talent in Herbert, I mean, and you see a team storming back like the Jags, you know, that you look at their second half, they went touchdown, 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 game-winning field goal. And you see a team storming back like that, at the end of the day, you just got to go make a play. You know, you got to go win the game. And it feels like the coaches didn't really let him do that. Not to mention, you know, what we talked about last week with Brandon Staley, playing all these guys in, in a meaningless game. And, and you could feel it. Mike Williams not being in this one, man, you could feel that. They missed him big time. They did not have that deep threat down the field. You know, Keenan Allen's a great player, but it's a lot easier to defend defend an offense when you have one really good weapon on the outside, and then, um, I mean, you can bracket him, and then at that point, you're making guys like Joshua Palmer, 
you know, DeAndre Carter, guys like that are the ones you're making beat you because uh, they, they same thing. They, they had a good game plan against Austin Eckler, who was kind of a non-factor in this one. So above anything else, I really I look at the coaching of the Chargers and not even just for this week over the past couple of weeks. Um, and I'm, I'm as I'm recording this on Wednesday, um, as of yesterday, Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, has been fired. Um, and, you know, it it's not super surprising. You know, someone was was probably not going to keep their job after what's what's gone on there but in all honesty i'm still a little surprised brandon staley is is they're sticking with him is what it looks like because i feel like if he were going to get fired he probably would be gone by now here four days after but he's still there um and even though given given all the 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 weird things he's done the the issues he's had as head coach not really making much not really making the most of the talent the chargers have and he's still their coach so um as a chiefs fan i love to see that you know, it's just going to continue to be dysfunction and, and not using the their their star players the right way. But for the Chargers' sake, hopefully they're able to figure it out. Because, um, like I said, Justin Herbert is just a great talent, um, and you you hate to see a talent like that get wasted because of poor coaching. Um, so yeah, that's for that game. We're moving on to the Sunday slate. First game: Dolphins at Bills. Man, this was again as a Chiefs fan, this was a fun one. Um, we saw. Bills jump out to a very quick 17-0 lead. We think, you know, we're thinking, man, this one's done. Um, but as we know, that that's not what happened. Dolphins stormed back into the game, and not really because of any any crazy thing that they did right. Um, but as we know, Josh Allen seems to have, at times, he just gets scared of the football, and he's, he's got to get rid of it. He's got to just throw it to somebody. doesn't matter what jersey they're wearing. Got to throw the ball away. Got to gotta give it to somebody. And he gets, you know, he gets very careless with the ball. Throwing it to the to the defense. He, he had two interceptions. One of them got tipped. or It was kind of, it went off of Cole Beasley's face mask. Not totally on him. But then another interception on a, on a deep ball later. Um, and, and then again, in the third quarter, the uh, with the fumble recovered by the Dolphins return for a touchdown and, and at that point you're like oh my goodness what is going on the Dolphins have the lead here in the third quarter and, and it looked and they had the momentum and it was beginning to look good for the Dolphins uh, because like I said Josh Allen the Bills just the turnovers le- letting them back into the game and that, that's really the only way a team like the Dolphins right now with with Skylar Thompson at quarterback you know respect to him he, he he gave it his all and I think if when you look at the box score of the game it doesn't necessarily reflect the way he played I think he did a pretty solid job uh, given the circumstances and given his, his experience um, and then you also factor in Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle you know Tyree Kill had a decent game but both these guys who were supposed to be their key playmakers that you you go make these big moves in the offseason to get Tyree Kill and they just kind of just the drops during the game several drops from your two key players and then um, there were a couple of the drops throughout the game I don't have the exact number but they had probably four or five maybe six drops throughout this game that really just killed them um, and, and you you got to wonder like man if they catch these passes and, and convert for the first downs and get in the end zone what are we talking about here today are we talking about the Dolphins pulling off one of the most Im- um, improbable come or not comebacks but yeah comeback most improbable upsets in playoff history um because of josh allen's carelessness and the bills defense kind of unable to to slow down the dolphins at, at times and but you know that's not what happened they dropped those passes and and the bills escaped 
and for for what was really a tough matchup for them all year right they lost to, to Miami early on this season and then had some trouble with them in the second game in in the snow where typically we see Miami teams don't love playing in the snow and the cold but they played really well uh, and Josh Allen made a good f- a few good plays late in that one to to help pull away but here in this one I think any Bills fan would tell you they are glad to not have to see the Dolphins again this season um and I think the Bills are also very glad to escape that one with a win because that was that came down to a few plays and I think really another huge factor in this one was I don't know what was going on with the play calls but like I said it, we're recording this on Wednesday it is 12:45 central standard time you know it's been about it's been 3 days since the game and I'm still waiting to hear the play call come in I think maybe not me. I'm, I think Skylar Thompson is still waiting on the play call to come in, right? If you if you pick up what I'm putting down, it was it, it was hard to watch at times. Of like them trying to get the play calls in was just an absolute debacle. <laughs> like it had to be 10, 12, 15 times just in the second half where there's there's six seconds on the play clock and they're still in the huddle. And we saw that come back to bite them, where they had to use all three timeouts during the second half to avoid delay of game. And then in the biggest moment of the game on a fourth and one, right around midfield, same thing happened. They're still in the huddle with with six, like five or six seconds on the play clock, and they don't have enough time uh, to go get set up and get the playoff. And there's a delay of game, and it turns into a fourth and six, and they're not able to convert that. And then at that point, you're under the two-minute warning with no timeouts, and the game is over. Okay, so I don't know what was going on with with getting the play calls in, but again, just all these different things kind of lined up perfectly for the Bills to be able to escape this one, and it was just a weird situation, Um, not something you see very often in in a playoff setting of, especially a a coach, too, who's done a really good job this year, given the circumstances and um, a lot of the injuries and stuff that's gone on, so just weird to see the, the inability to get the play call in on time so consistently. Um, but it is what it is. Bills won, and for those keeping track, my prediction for this one was 31-16 Buffalo, and Buffalo ended up winning 34-31. to So, again, pretty close on the Bills score. Uh, Dolphins scored more than I expected, and some of that becoming, you know, from a uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown, giving them some extra points, and then these turnovers. And so, but again, on this one, we're still 3-0, got all three picks right. Uh, heading into Game Four of the Super Wild Card Weekend, and we have the Giants at the Vikings. Um, this one was interesting. It was, you know, one of the one of the 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 big stat lines, the big storylines going into the game was that the Vikings were eleven and zero in one score games, and you know, in this one they lost by one score, and that's that's kind of on par with with Vikings this year. Of you have the expectations and like, oh, they maybe they have it, they're figuring it out now. And they, they're just not going to lose a one-score game. And then what do they do? The first game in the playoffs, lose a one-score game. You know, and and I look, you know, you look at, uh, first off, we'll start with the Giants. got to give them credit. I mean, Brian Dable, he's got to be coach of the year, right? He's, he's got to be. You, you look at, you know, backtracking a little bit, his time with Josh Allen. Um, before he got to Buffalo, Josh Allen was one of those, he, he was playing a lot like a rookie. Great. Great arm, great raw talent, but just careless with the ball, turning it over. Okay, Brian Dable joins the joins the the Bills as the offensive coordinator, and in those two seasons, Josh Allen looks like an MVP candidate, one of the best players in the league. Turnovers are way down, efficiency's way up, and and he looks elite. 
Um, and Daniel Jones, over the course of that time, not that great. His numbers were not good. He, he's a turnover machine as well. And then, as we know, Brian Dable leaves Buffalo um, to go coach the Giants. And and we look at what's happened this year. Josh Allen, as we've seen, has kind of reverted back to some of the stuff he, he was doing his, his first couple of years of just throwing the ball carelessly to, to whoever, um, just very careless with the turnovers. Um, and then we've also seen Daniel Jones also just kind of turn it around, have gone from a turnover machine to very Alex Smith-esque. Of he's, he's not going to wow you throwing the ball down the field and, and put up 45 touchdowns, um, but, but he's smart. He doesn't make bad decisions. He's not the type of quarterback that's going to cost you a game. Um, and, and I think in that system, what the Giants have with with the emerging star and Saquon Barkley, who's turning out to be really a, a top five running back in this league, uh, in in that s- situation there, you know, you look at Daniel Jones, the way he's played. Um, I mean, he looked like Superman in this game. You know, three hundred yards, seventy five yards rushing, a couple of touchdowns, and he put up a stat line. I, you know, that was. Uh, a stat line never actually achieved by a quarterback in a, in, a, in a postseason game, and Daniel Jones did that in his first postseason start. So you got to give credit to him. Um, and again, but I think more than anything, this is a Brian Dable uh, celebration of um, good for him, good for the Giants on, on getting it figured out, and Dable uh, riding the ship for the Giants, who have some momentum going into the, the divisional round here. And, um, you know, and then on the flip side, the Vikings, it's tough. They were. It was hard to, to predict the Vikings this year because, you know, at one point down 33 nothing to the Colts and came all the way back to win. Um, the game against the Bills, just improbable victory throughout the entire year. You just kind of felt like when they got the ball back there at the end of the game, um, and then especially after the roughing the passer call, like how many times have we seen that where you get a, a bad call and then eventually it, it – propels that team to the to the victory i mean i can't tell you how many times i've seen that with the chiefs you know going against them a bad just one bad call kind of leading to um uh, you know the end of the game the the demise of that team if you will um, but that's not what happened the the vikings drove down they got to around the 50 yard line they get it to fourth and eight and what do they do let's check it down to our tight end <laughs> you know and so it's, it's easy for me to sit here and with a microphone and, and just talk about how silly of a play that is. And on one hand, yeah, you know, you've got Justin Jefferson who has essentially carried your team to this point in the season to 13 wins. Um, you look at the Bills game, some of the incredible catches he had to just propel them to, to that win. And in that moment, I, he, he may be double, he may be triple teamed, but you just feel better about the chances of, of tossing up a jump ball to J- Justin Jefferson than, than checking down to your tight end who's blanketed, you know? And that's somewhat on, on Kevin O'Connell, the head coach of the Vikings. Like, the, the play call there, when you go back and watch, it wasn't great. He, Kirk Cousins really did not have a lot of options. He didn't have a lot of time to throw. He had to get the ball out. He was right about that. Um, but at the end of the day, if you need eight yards, your season's on the line. If you don't get eight yards, your season's done. And you throw the ball three yards to your tight end. And it's uh, it's not a great look for the Vikings. And not a great look for Kirk Cousins moving forward, who, again, we know he's a, he's a decent quarterback. He, he's not bad. He, he's good at noon games. But anytime, if it's afternoon, if it's a 3 o'clock slate or the 7-15 slate, it's just not the guy you want under center for whatever reason. Um, and he'll put up some decent numbers. But we got to think this is maybe the beginning of the end for Kirk Cousins. 
um, moving forward, which is tough. He's a fun guy. He's a very likable guy, super nice guy, and but it's just it's not working in Minnesota. They've got all kinds of good talent right now. Obviously, the defense is awful. They were the worst defense in the NFL by most metrics that you look at, and so that doesn't help. But at the end of the day, you still have some very good pieces on offense, and just you, you can't make it work. You got to have something. You got to have better production than what Kirk Cousins has, has given. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what the Vikings do moving forward. Uh, but once again, congrats to the Giants. Uh, they come out victorious, 31 to 24. Um, my prediction in this one was that Minnesota was going to win 33 to 30. So again, my, my scores are pretty close, um, but we do miss the pick. And there goes the dream of in my broadcasting or podcasting career of going perfect and never getting a pick wrong. The dream. We made it four games. We had we had a good run, uh, but we do finally get one wrong, and um, it was all because of Kirk Cousins. So thanks a lot, Kirk. You like that? Uh, that's just great. Uh, but yeah, so we're three and one at this point, heading into Game Five of the weekend, Sunday night game. We've got Ravens at the Bengals. Okay. Now I gotta say, I gotta start out by saying this. I was pretty spot on with the way this game was gonna go. Okay, we, we've seen the Bengals be explosive this year. And we've seen that the Ravens have a very good defense. Um, usually, and, and their two matchups have, have found a way to slow the Bengals down. And they did the same thing this week. Okay, the Ravens are a very well coached team. John Harbaugh, he's got a Super Bowl. He knows what he's doing. He he's always very good um, as an underdog, and he's very good on the road in the playoffs. He he's just he's a very good coach, and and he had those guys ready to play, and he had them in a position to take the lead in the fourth quarter on the two yard line. Um, but as we know. Tyler Huntley, not quite as tall and as athletic as Trevor Lawrence. And so he reached for the goal line, couldn't quite reach it, and the ball gets knocked out right into Sam Hubbard's hand, who is, I believe, still on an oxygen tank, recovering, um, trying to catch his breath after running 98 yards. The length of the field, giving the Bengals what was, at that point, the winning touchdown to um, seal it for Cincinnati. And the Ravens, again, they played a, they played their hearts out. They played a great game as well as you can when Tyler Hunt, Huntley's your quarterback. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they looked good. Um, they gave the Bengals some issues. But, again, they just don't have enough weapons on offense. Um, it was interesting hearing J.K. Dobbins talk after the game. You know, he was saying he wishes he would have had the ball more. And I kind of have to agree with him. He, he's been running the ball very well the last month of the season after he's come off his injury. And they got very reliant on the passing, um, especially late. Even when it's just a one-score game and they had some time, they still, you know, it felt they, they were relying more on Huntley than they were on their their run game, which is kind of what got them there. And and they had to rely on some big plays from from guys you, you probably haven't heard of unless you maybe uh, watched the Ravens or, or things like that. But, um, again, it was... It was a fun game, divisional. It's AFC North. Those those games are always fun to watch. They're always close and, and tough fought. Um, but again, for all that to say about to, about John Harbaugh, it was still it was interesting seeing the game management in the the final minute. Right, the Ravens had the ball in Bengals territory with about a minute and a half, and you know they they're they're very loose and casual with the, with the time to to the point they had there was one play around the the 15 the the 10 maybe the 20 the 15 yard line where they let like 30 seconds run off the clock and the clock gets down to about 20 seconds left and 
You know, I understand you don't want to give Joe Burrow a whole bunch of time to go score, but at the end of the day, you still have to score a touchdown. You know, it's not like you can just set up shop there and, and just look to Justin Tucker. Okay, but 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 you you've got to get in the end zone with an offense that has not been great, um, and and a quarterback who is not very experienced. And um, it's again, it's easy to sit here and criticize a coach who overall has done a very good job, but it just was a bit of a head scratcher there at the end, the time management. Um, and it ended up hurting the Ravens and it kind of, it, it cut their, the clock a little shorter than they would have hoped. And it ended up giving the Bengals, um, the chance to, to seal it up and, and take the win 24 to 17. Um, and my prediction was that the Raven or the Bengals were going to win 24 to 20. So very close with my prediction here. Almost got the score perfect. That was a field goal away. Um, but yeah, that, that moves us to four and one on the weekend. So, you know, pretty good. Looking pretty good. And um, as we see there, that, that's got, that sets up the matchup, as we know, between Buffalo and, and Cincinnati next week, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, and then the final game of the week, the Monday night game, um, we had Cowboys at Buccaneers. All right, man. This was a this was an interesting one. Uh, Cowboys, in my opinion, are similar to the Vikings, and you don't know what team is going to show up. Uh, they've had they've had times this season. They've looked like the best team in football, and then they've shown up and you know just looked awful, <laughs> like they did last week against Washington. And it, it's hard to know what Dallas team is going to show up, but as we saw, they that they brought their A game. They showed up. Dak Prescott. Arguably, most, I mean, potentially his rookie season, you could say his playoff game was better. But this, just the the stakes that were on this one, I would say this is probably his best playoff performance ever. And um, good for him. Good for Mike McCarthy getting going into Tampa Bay, right? This was, uh, this is one of those games, like, we, we've watched the Buccaneers all year long. We know they aren't a good team. And I think the Brady effect, um, we we were we were worried even you know i was talking to people even at the beginning of the fourth quarter the 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 cowboys are up by like 25 points at this point and we're still like afraid to to say that the game's over because oh they have tom brady he he could come back for 25 points in a quarter right like yeah maybe maybe tom brady 10 years ago or even five years ago but this just given the issues they've had all year not being able to move the ball um it it was over by halftime, in all honesty. You know, I know the Cowboys kicker had some issues. Uh, Brett Maher, rough night for him, missing four straight extra extra points. Um, lucky, for, good for him. He he finally got one there at the end, in in garbage time. But not a great look for the Cowboys. And by the way, McCarthy has already said we're sticking with him. Um, and you know, for his sake, I hope. Um, it was just a one-time thing because he, he was a very good kicker all year. I think he only missed three extra points all year. It was like 50 for 53, I believe is the number. And so he was a very consistent uh, kicker all year long. And so hopefully for for his sake, it was just a one-time thing. But uh, it's something you can't help but but wonder about moving into to the next game because we know the uh, a team's only as good as their kicker, right? And And so hopefully he gets that figured out moving forward. But, um, yeah, interesting game. Dak, like I said, Dak played great. I mean, we just, just watching this game, it, I mean, Dallas just dominated every aspect of the game. They, they were just too much for Tampa Bay. Um, the Bucks could not 
keep up, quite honestly. Um, offensively, defensively, just didn't have an answer. And Cowboys win pretty easily, 31-14. Um, and this is another wrong, you know, another miss for me. And so here we are. We're, we're starting to stack them up. My first multi-loss or, you know, first f- first time in my career of getting more than one wrong pick. You know, it's never happened to me in my career, but here we are. And we finished the week four and two. And, you know, so not bad. Not bad for a first week. I know it's a wild card weekend. There's some big games. There's some relatively easy games to pick. But, you know, and I'm going to, I feel good about it. Four and two, pretty good. And even the score, the majority of the scores that I picked were within one possession uh, of, of being the exact score. So I feel good about it. Four and two moving in, into the divisional round. Um, but a, a few more things I want to recap. Uh, just big picture of the NFL looking back at the Super Wild Card weekend. Uh, number one, I, I mentioned this a little bit, but just clock management. It, it's its baffling to me in, with the day and age that we live in. All the technology, all, all the this Microsoft Surface they've got on the, the sideline, all the, the different staff they have up in the booth and, and uh, sitting around on the sideline as well. Of like, Is there not somebody that they hire that can tell the head coach, man, this is the best way to, we need to use our timeouts or we need to use the clock to our advantage in this way. I mean, it was just, a, it's a theme. It, it happened this weekend. We've seen it. What, what feels like every single week, we see it every single year in the playoffs of a coach mismanaging the clock and coming back to end up costing their team the game and ultimately the season because of their inability to manage the clock. And it's just, it's just odd to me the way it's mismanaged. And I feel like, the, the, they have the resources to be able to fix that, to fix this issue, you know? Like, you've got someone in your ear um, and saying, like, hey, we've got our three timeouts. This is how they, we need to use them. We, this is this is what it looks like for us on this drive, and we've got to make sure we're by, or we're, we're using our timeouts by the time we get to this time on the clock or whatever. I don't know what it is, um, but it's odd to me that it's still, we're, in, we're now in 2023. We are in an advanced metric age of, of football and we still have issues with clock management. I don't know. I'm sure it's easier said than done, but I'm hoping that, that coaches can get it figured out. And I really hope Andy Reed um, has it figured out as well and is able to, or we as chiefs fans can avoid that moving forward. We've seen that in the past mismanagement of time and, and timeouts. And hopefully that's not something that comes up for the chiefs moving forward. Um, but on top of that too, We've also got what, in my opinion, is the biggest problem in the NFL. I think it's a pretty widely accepted issue across the NFL, and that is the officiating. Um, unless you're a Patriots fan, you know you probably agree with me that the officiating in the league is just an issue. And it there have several teams have had season, their season ended uh, because of missed call. Maybe not season, but they've had games. You know. They, they've, they've, the officials have cost that team a game or multiple games, um, and it just even in recent memory. And again, I go back to the the advanced metric day and age that we are living in in the NFL, and we can't figure out some type of system to to be able to have some more accountability for the referees, right? And and you look at Joey Bosa, his his comments after the game. I'm not going to repeat them. He said several non-K-rated words. Those of you who are in the Canuck world, you know what that means. Um, but words that, that you are, you just, you know, he had some choice words for the officiating of how, you know, if, if he, the player complains about the refs, he gets fined $40,000, whatever it is. But the refs, 
there's not really any accountability. If they miss a call, you know, fans will complain about it for a couple of days, for a week maybe, and then forget about it, and, and we'll move on. And the, the refs kind of get to go back into their locker room and, and just be like, well, yeah, I missed that one, but I don't like him, so that's okay. And now I'm not sure if that's what's happening or not. That's what Joey Bosa seems to think is happening. But, but at the end of the day, I just I wish there was some more accountability for the officiating. You know, and we've seen what feels now, it feels like on a weekly basis now of, of roughing the passer where it just, you, you can't explain it. Not even the, the announcers can't explain it. They bring in the rules analyst, Terry McCauley, um, you know, Gene Steratore, whoever it is, these guys, they're not even able to explain it. These guys who are former refs, and, and as you've seen, a lot of times when they bring in these former officials, they, they're always on the side of the refs, right? They're always going to be try to explain it in a way that makes sense um and, and is supporting the officials but we're seeing pretty consistently these these officials are coming in saying yeah i think they missed that call i, I don't have an explanation for that and and so i hopefully that's something they would look at this offseason and say um it roughing the roughing the passer is a, a penalty but we're not going to call it just because the quarterback got tackled you know um, and i don't know hopefully they get something figured out some some accountability ultimately was going to come down to and, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just frustrating. Um, but at the end of the day, it is, it's a business and we as NFL fans are, you know, we're addicted enough to the league, to watching football that, you know, unless we stop watching because of the officiating, I don't know how much it's going to change, right? That's, that's really the only way if we, if we really just want to come together collectively and say, we're not watching the NFL unless you fix the officiating, which I'm not sure that's going to happen. So, I'm probably barking up the wrong tree. I don't know if anything's going to happen in that regard, but I wish it would uh, because it's frustrating and it's you, you hate to see teams, you know, games teams lose a game because of a bad call or even just missing an, an important call that that we that is pretty obvious to anyone who watches the game. You you watch one replay and realize like, oh, we we missed they missed that call. We should be able to fix that. You know, I feel like we're overthinking it, and we don't we don't need to do that. We're smart. We're smart people. We can figure it out, can't we? Uh, NFL, you got this. You can do it. Enough of that. We're moving on to the divisional round preview. Okay. We're, again, we're going to go in the order of how the games are going to happen and how they're appearing. So game number one of the weekend, we've got Jaguars at the Chiefs. Okay. Chiefs are eight and a half point favorites, according to Vegas. Um, biggest line of the weekend, and not a huge surprise. Um, these teams did play earlier in the season. Chiefs won 27-17. to 17. Uh, uh, It was kind of one of those games. Another one where the, the final score doesn't really reflect the how the game went. The Chiefs really dominated that game start to finish. They were up 21-0 at half and just kind of coasted towards the finish line. You know, had a couple turnovers. Jaguars recovered an onside kick. Some, some funky things were happening. Um... And it, you know, got a garbage time touchdown. And so the, the, the final score was 27 to 17. And the, you know, but the Chiefs didn't really have any problems in that one. And so granted that that was back in November. That was a different Jags team than the one that's been playing recently who have won several games recently and, and made their way into the playoffs. And so what we're looking at this game is it's it's really all about the trenches. I think you look at. I mean, granted, you could say that about every single game. I think that's where every game starts, but but that's where where I I go for this one. Um, this where we, I'm going to start is the 
the Chiefs D line has has slowly but surely turned into one of the best pass rushes in the league this season. Obviously led by Chris Jones, ambassador of Sack Nation, um, and the Chiefs ended the season number two in sacks, if you can believe it. And um, the Jaguars are again they've they've been playing well, um, but they're they're also missing their left tackle Cam Robinson. And they have not really been great on the offensive line. They've been kind of average. They've been good enough. and uh, But I, I just see this as a game, especially if Chiefs get up big and they, the Jaguars are needing to throw the ball to get back into the game, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of those games for Chris Jones where he just puts a stamp on it. Um, and I feel like that's pretty a pretty likely scenario here. Um, one thing I will say... Like, obviously, we saw Jacksonville. They can come back in a game. We've seen that, you know, coming back down from 27 nothing. And one thing that was interesting in that one is it wasn't all passing, right? They didn't they didn't panic. They didn't freak out. They kept giving the ball to Travis Etienne uh, and kept relying on the running game, even in the comeback. And I think if you're the Chiefs, I think you got to be okay with that. You know, that's, that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. I said this last week as one of the big factors. Like, for the, for the Chiefs, as long as you don't allow – huge home run plays to the Jags. Like they can, they can have their time of possession. They can run the ball. They can keep doing this. But at the end of the day, you've got to just make sure there's no home run plays. And then, um, and I think you're going to be okay. Uh, Jags are going to score some points. They're going to go on some long drives, uh, pick up some third down. They've got some, some solid receivers. Christian Kirk has been really good. Zay Jones has been very good. Evan Ingram's coming to, you know, turned into a top 10 tight end in the league. So they've got some good weapons offensively. Um, and obviously Trevor Lawrence is turning into one of the a top 10, if not top five quarterback in the NFL right now, um, really emerging in a great way. And Doug Peterson deserves a lot of credit there as well. Um, and so again, they've got some, some really solid young pieces that um, could maybe give the Chiefs some issues here and there. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs, I think, are just more talented um, as, and better coached. And Andy Reid coming off a of bye, as we know, is very hard to beat and and we, when we look at the Chiefs offensively against the Jags defensively it is it's yeah it, I think the Jags are going to have some issues um, and as we've seen all year the Chiefs aren't as much of a home run threat anymore but they still I mean they just move the ball pretty much at will they have more first downs than anybody um, and it's a big testament to Patrick Mahomes of, of losing that home run threat in Tyreek Hill but they still uh, they find a way to to move the ball in an efficient way and, and just pick up first down after first down, after first down. And I think after a while it's going to wear down the Jags uh, defensively and it's going to come to a point. Uh, the chiefs are going to be up, you know, by 10 points, 13 points, something like that. And, and Isaiah Pacheco is going to be the one he's going to get the ball a lot and, and have a chance to really kind of put the game away on the ground. At least that's what I hope. Um, sometimes Andy Reid likes to get kind of fancy and get away from the run. But um, I do foresee that, you know, this game going in a way the Chiefs, they get out, they get out quick, you know, coming off a bye, they have some good stuff drawn up and they, they get out to a solid lead and then, you know, slow down a little bit because um, they're in a comfortable place and, and the Jags, you know, they'll put some drives together, maybe get get some points and, and get it back to maybe a 10 point game, maybe seven or eight point game, something like that. Um, but again, I just think the Chiefs are too much and especially I've said it, I've already said it, but I'll say it again. Andy Reid out of a bye. Um, is one of the best coaches. I mean, he's got one of the best records after a bye that we've ever seen. And I expect a similar 
outcome this week. And so I've got the Chiefs 30 to 20. Um, and I think Chiefs, we move on, see them in the AFC Championship for the fifth straight season, um, which, I mean, let's pause for a second. That would, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Um, I think four in a row is already great, but five, I mean, we're getting into, you know, rare territory here, but you know, you got to take care of the, take, take care of business this week and we'll see, um, if they, they go to the fifth straight, uh, moving on to the giants and the Eagles. Um, this is man. Uh, like I said, these are all fun games. They're interesting matchups. Um, we look at the line for this one. It is right now. Philly is a seven and a half point favorite. So again, a little bit more than a touchdown, still one possession favorite over the Giants. And I, I think if you were to see what the line looked like before last week, I mean, it may have been bigger um, based on the way the Giants are playing. It feels like every week they're getting a little bit better. Daniel Jones is looking a little bit better. And even some of the receivers, um, guys that most of us have never heard of, guys like Isaiah Hodgins and um, Darius Slayton, different guys that you've probably never heard of. But they're making plays, and you know the Giants are playing well. And Saquon Barkley is—I said this earlier—looking like a top five running back in the NFL right now. The line's got to figure it out. And the defense—they're getting pressure. They are—they're uh, covering well. They're just playing well, you know, well-rounded football all the way across the board right now. And uh, so you got to you got to like what the Giants are doing. Um, it's you, you feel good for Daniel Jones being able to figure it out uh, through the help of Di- Brian Dable this season. Um, and then you know on the other side of the ball we've, with Philadelphia, um, the bye I feel like is probably going to benefit more benefit them more than anyone else in the, in this situation because of the issues with Jalen Hurts' injury. Um, I, I feel like coming off a of bye again, Nick Sirianni he's going to have some stuff figured out. And he's gotten, most importantly, a chance for, for Jalen Hurts to, to rest, get get some healing to that shoulder. And I think they're going to be able to run the ball very effectively. Um, now, it, it will be interesting to see here in the playoffs, you know, what they do with that. Because as we know, Jalen Hurts, arguably his biggest weapon all season has been his ability to run the ball. And I think that's what that's what made him an MVP candidate. And, and, and so it's going to be interesting because... Coming off of an injury, you, you know, if if this is your franchise quarterback, you, you never know. At, at what point it, it, do the does Nick Sirianni say like, man, we we can't keep putting him in harm's way, um, and we we can't afford to lose him. But at the end of the day, that's why we've won. Okay, so th- there's this balance that the Eagles are going to have to work with and find moving forward. Of how how often do we run the ball with Jalen Hurts, which has been our most effective weapon, our our effective strategy on offense all season long. Um, but at the end of the day, we got to make sure we protect him too. So where do you find that balance? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see the way the Eagles handle that. Uh, and I, th- I do think it's going to work this week. I think they're coming off the rest. They're coming off the bye. This is the third time they've seen the Giants this season. And um, I like it to go. I like a kind of a back and forth game. Uh, but I do like the Eagles to win. I like the Eagles 30 to 24 in this one. So I like the, I like the Giants to cover. Um, but I do think, again, the Eagles are a very talented roster, a very good secondary, um, and, and obviously they've, they've added some pieces up front. So they're, they've got just talent all around the ball defensively, and then, as we know, too, with A.J. Brown and some very good you know pieces offensively, although they are missing the right tackle, Lane Johnson, which is, I think, very big. He's been arguably their best player the past five years, um, 
and so not having him is going to hurt. But they, I think they still have they're they're just more talented in my opinion than the Giants, and I think that's what it comes down to. Two well coached teams, two quarterbacks who've had really good years. Um, but I just think the Eagles have too many weapons, and then coming off the bye, having a chance to rest and heal up a bit. I like the Eagles in this one, thirty to twenty four. Um, and Eagles to move on and host the NFC Championship game. And, yeah, moving on to the Sunday slate. Hold on, let me back up a minute The uh, give you the game times in case you're using me as your source. Uh, Chiefs and Jaguars are going to be at 3.30 p.m. Central Time on NBC on Saturday. And uh, Giants-Eagles is going to be at 7.15 on Fox on Saturday. Okay, so those are your two Saturday games. All right, looking at Sunday. Um, moving into the Sunday games now, we have Bills at Bengals. This is going to be at 2 o'clock Central Time on CBS. Okay, so Bills and Bengals. This is a game I think a lot. I mean, everybody's been waiting to see this matchup all year. Obviously, we know it, it didn't happen. Uh, the game was not able to resume from Week 17. Um, and so I think both these teams are looking forward to the opportunity to getting a chance to play each other now. And I, and I can say personally, I'm excited to watch the game. Um, the, the two teams that are really thrown in there with the Chiefs as the, the true contenders in, in the AFC and in the NFL overall. Uh, okay, and so this is uh, looking at the line here. Buffalo is a five and a half point favorite. So um, they are at home. It is going to be in Buffalo, and there is a chance of snow. Not, I don't think there's supposed to be a lot, maybe an inch or two. Um, but you never know uh, in Buffalo how, how that thing can turn out, how the weather can affect a game. But, man, this is a very interesting game. Um, you know, over this offseason in the past couple of years, we, we saw teams across the NFL, Bengals and Bills included, are, are building their rosters to be able to keep up with the Chiefs, right? That might that might sound arrogant, but that's the reality of what, what they've done. Okay, you I mean, look at the Bills and look at the game last year. You know, they... The, the crazy offensive explosion we saw in the division around last year. Uh, the Bills were that close to getting it done, and you, you got to think, it, you know, that's why they went out and got Von Miller. They got they went out and got Von Miller to beat the Chiefs because they were they were the one pass rusher away um, from, from potentially beating the Chiefs in the division around. And so they go out and get Von Miller, and obviously, as we know, he tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Um, and then you look at the Bengals. Uh, we know last year we saw what happened. They, their offensive line was just in shambles, even in the postseason. But but Joe Burrow, his style of play, uh, kind of Tom Brady esque of take a step, get rid of the ball, throw it to one of the playmakers, let them let them go to work. Um, and, and for that reason, the the, the fact that the line was such an issue, it didn't really come back to bite them. Uh, it didn't, you know, it didn't. Re- obviously, they made it to the Super Bowl and on, and had a chance to win that game as well, even with a banged up, just a, a bad offensive line. But as we know, they've really gone and revamped the offensive line this year. They focused on, on making it better, um, and so. But but with that being said, as we know, they currently have three of their starting offensive linemen who are not in, who are injured. With Lyle Collins out, Jonah Williams, uh, and Alex Kappa, who's one of their arguably best offensive linemen. Okay, they're missing three starting offensive linemen, and you just. You never know, um, and so it, it's interesting because the, pill, the the Bills have lost their best pass rusher. The, the Bengals have lost three offensive linemen, and so it's like two two decimated units are are going head to head here, and that's really ultimately what it's what it's going to come down to. I think the the Bills defense is underrated. 
a lot of a lot of guys uh, names you probably haven't heard of, but guys who under Lou Anarumo, their defensive coordinator, are playing very well um, and turning uh, turning opposing teams over quite a bit. And that's a big reason they got to the Super Bowl last year is they forced, I believe, nine turnovers in in the two or three games of the AFC playoffs. And it's a big reason their turnover differential. Um, and so what I see happening here with the Bills, I, I again, very, very similar to what we've seen in the past. I think that Josh Allen's going to make some great throws. You know, Stefan Diggs is going to make some big catches. Gabe Davis, a big catch here, as um, Tony Roma likes to say, big game Gabe. Is that what it is? Something like that. Um, and they're going to have some big plays and put up some points, but there's no reason to believe that Josh Allen is not going to continue to be careless with the ball. We've just seen it too many times this season, too consistently, and and it's just it's who he is, you know. And again, you put those two together, a quarterback who's 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 actually led the NFL in giveaways this season. Pair that up with a defense who's who's done a very good job of taking the ball away. Right, it doesn't take a, a math magician, as we like to say, um, to put two and two together and realize this is likely what's going to happen here. Of the the Bengals are going to, you know, make some things happen. I, I I think they even give the the Bills a similar look of what they've been giving the Chiefs of of dropping eight guys in coverage and having three on the line and forcing the Bills to run the ball, which they don't want to do. Now, granted, they've been better at that. They've gotten better at running the ball with Singletary and Cook um, over the past month and a half or so. Um, but at the end of the day, we know the Bills. We know they don't want to run the ball. They want to take they want to take home run shots. And I and I think that's what we see as the game goes on and we see the Bills take some shots. And some of them are going to work and some of them are going to be costly turnovers. And um the Bengals are going to win the turnover battle, force a couple of big turnovers and eventually I like Cincinnati to beat the Bills 33 to 31. Um, and, a, and another fun game, back and forth, uh, lots of points, but I think some some late turnovers by Josh Allen um, just puts them in too big of a hole um, and gives the ball back to, to Burrow late, and uh, they eventually put the game away. Um, this one, this is interesting, you know. Obviously, as a Chiefs fan, they've had some issues with the Bengals to say the least. Um, but the way I see it happening, just the matchups this weekend, I see. Um, Again, you look at the matchup as I, I've picked the Chiefs and the Bengals. It looks like it's going to be a rematch at Arrowhead, Chiefs versus Bengals in the AFC Championship. Um, I feel like that's the, that's the direction we're headed right now, and the Chiefs are going to get a chance um, after three straight losses to the Bengals. Um, and and I see that, you know, I, I feel like that's what's coming for us. And so I kind of hope that's what it is. You know, I, it's 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 always fun to beat the Bills, and I think the Chiefs absolutely can beat the Bills. They are kind of. They have not looked like them themselves, this juggernaut. Everybody thought they were the past two months. Um, but in all honesty, as a Chiefs fan, I'm tired of losing to the Bengals. And and I want the Bengals to come back to Arrowhead next week, and I want the Chiefs to beat the Bengals, personally. That's just that's my personal analysis, what I, what I wish, what I hope happens. Um, you know, who knows? There's a lot of things that can happen this weekend. Injuries happen. Uh, weather happens. You know, it's, it's hard to know for sure, but... I like the Bengals to win this one, 33 to 31, and rematch of the AFC Championship at Arrowhead, as we like to say, the Arrowhead Invitational coming next week. And then into the final game of the week, we've got Cowboys at 49ers, and this one is going to be 5:30 p.m. on Sunday evening on Fox. Um, and you know, 
I promise this isn't this isn't 1994. Okay, Cowboys and 49ers. They are playing it once again here in a meaningful playoff game. Um, and yeah, Niners right now are four and a half. Or sorry, no, they're four point favorites. Okay, so right now Vegas really likes the way that the Cowboys are playing. Um, and how can you blame them after last week? You know and. This is a, again. This is one. This one's hard to look at and be like, man. I know. I know exactly what's going to happen. You know, because the 49ers, what we we've seen, they've won every game dating back to October. You know, since they got blown out by the Chiefs. I'm going to always find a way to mention that. Um, but they've won all these games since October, and they've looked like the best team in the NFL in that span, um, with a seventh round rookie quarterback leading them. And if he keeps playing like this, I, it's going to be hard to pick against them. You know, even when the Cowboys are playing well, um, and and that's really ultimately, you know, you look at the Cowboys. It's like, what team are you going to get? We saw it last week. We've seen it this season when they played the Vikings. We've seen it other times of the Cowboys show up and they bring their A game, and they're as good as anyone in the NFL, truly. Um, but the 49ers have just been since October, since they're they're slacking to the Chiefs, have been the the best team in the NFL. Um, and they've been even better with with this guy at quarterback, with Brock Purdy under center. And I I do like the Niners to win this one, 28-24. Um, I, I just see, I, I think you maybe get some more nerves again from Brock Purdy early on. Um, but we've seen, we have too much on tape, on film of Dak Prescott, um, you know, not showing up when he needs to. And Mike McCarthy kind of missing the mark. Here, it just, I don't know. It, it's one of those things. I don't feel great about it, honestly, because based on the way the, the Cowboys played last week, but based on what we've seen this season, the you, know, you just don't know what Cowboys team is going to show up. And if, if the Cowboys play their game, if they play like they did last week, I think they can absolutely go into San Francisco and win the game. They absolutely can. Um, but I just, it's hard for me to see and predict and know that the Cowboys are going to come in and do that, bring their A game, you know, because if they, if they come in and play a C game, 49ers are probably going to take advantage of that. And when they're just too deep, they're too talented, too well coached. Um, and so just based on the odds here, based on the, the mathematical probability, if you will, um, of how this game can play out. I like the 49ers to win 28, 24, um, in another another good game, right? And so, um, with that, that'll that'll make 49ers will head to Philadelphia for the the NFC Championship. And so, with that, I uh, that's going to set up what we have, in, in my opinion, is going to be the AFC and NFC Championship again. So I feel we're going to have Chiefs over Jags 20, 30 to twenty. Um, Eagles over the Giants, 30 to 24. Bengals over the Bills, 33-31. And Niners over the Cowboys, 28 to 24. Um, and honestly, the divisional round. I said this at the beginning of the the show. The divisional round is really the best weekend of football of the year, in my opinion. You've got what is obviously the eight best teams in the NFL, and you've got four games starting Saturday afternoon. Um, two games and then rolling over into Sunday afternoon of just good football of, of really good teams going against each other uh, with a spot in their respective conference championships on the line. Right. So you've got, it's everything is on the line here and 
Uh, I'm excited. I am ready to to watch some more football this weekend um, and see how these games go. And uh, we'll be back here next week to talk about the games. We're going to go over them. And then we will make our picks at that point. And spoiler alert, Chiefs, I'm going to pick them to win that game regardless of who they're playing. Um, You know, because that's what I do. But that is going to do it for today. Um, I would like to mention very quickly that let me pull up the numbers here. I just, this has nothing to do with football, but I would like to mention something about LeBron James. All right. For those of you who know me, you know, I do think LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. All right. And that may be the most controversial thing that comes up on this show today. Uh, But I believe that, and I will fight for that. Uh, But I thought there was a very interesting uh, thing to point out in a game uh, when against the Rockets, he played against. There's a player in the Rockets. I'm trying to find his name. Um, who, his basically the Rockets player's dad was in the game that LeBron debuted. And so in 2003, when LeBron played his first game in the NBA, this player's dad was in the game, which is is pretty crazy. And is that it, Jabari Smith? I think that's it, Jabari Smith Jr. Okay, and his dad. And played, like I said, in the game against LeBron in his NBA debut, like 20 years ago. And then it's, but it's also not one of those things like LeBron's just on the roster. Like, you know, LeBron, you look at the stat line, he had 48 points, right? So here we are 20 years later, LeBron still, um, he had 48 points, nine assists, eight rebounds. It took me a while to find this, but I did find it. Um, I just wanted to point that out because this is my podcast and I can say whatever I want. Um, and I, I still believe LeBron's the greatest basketball player of all time. Uh, maybe we'll get into that once the NFL's done. We can we can have some some fun talk about that. Um, but I just had to throw that in there. Give a shout out to LeBron, and um, let's just recognize. Let's be let's be grateful for what we've you know been able to watch throughout his career. And here he is, 20 years later, still doing it. So I had to had to throw that in the show. And then last but not least, as most of you I'm sure have been waiting for the weekly office quote. Um, which is starting this week, okay? The inaugural weekly office quote um, from Michael Scott. I think it's it's fitting here for the divisional weekend, and I think all the teams can learn something from this, okay? Michael Scott says, you need to play to win, but you also have to win to play, okay? And, and so there you go. There's your office quote of the week. Um, hopefully the Chiefs take that to heart. And, uh, and they play and they win. And by winning, they also play. That's what I'm hoping for this week. I'm looking forward to a great weekend of football. And, yeah, that's going to do it for this show. I uh, hope you've all had a good time. I'm um, looking forward to being back next week, talking some more football, talking some championship weekend. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>